You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome back to 50 Plus a Tip. So as usual, we're going to start with some questions that came in. The first one goes as follows. Hey girl, I love your podcast. I had a question for you though. I'm sure it would be pretty subjective person to person, but I'm wondering if there's a general consensus or what your personal opinion regarding pole dancing, lap dance classes blowing up as fitness. And if girls in the industry are supportive of this, or some feel like it becoming more mainstream is hurtful, since there is still a stigma attached to sex workers, and for, in quotes, other women doing it, it is a hobby and is seen as empowering. So, for sure, it is definitely subjective. I personally have no problem with people learning pole dancing, learning lap dances. As I mentioned before, I'm wanting to start teaching lap dance classes to empower women and make them feel sexy and stuff. That being said, the women I'm teaching are extremely sex worker, positive feminist. So they're not doing it and then turning around slut shaming someone. However, I had heard about one article that came out recently about a woman who had started to get notoriety from pole dancing and she was quite um, into like slut shaming the dancer she didn't want any of it brought onto her so she kind of was like well look at I'm not a stripper like it's okay that I do this because I'm not a stripper and I'm going to read a little bit of that article just so you get the general idea of what her kind of statement was so this is in her first person writing When I first started dancing, I was scared to post pictures of the moves I was most proud of. After hearing that I had started pole dancing, people actually told me that I was obsessed with sex and I should try working out like a normal person. I looked at them like they were crazy. Was someone actually shaming me for trying to be in shape using a routine that worked for me and my body, which they knew nothing about? To me, pole dancing is all about fitness. To others, however, it can be quite a negative connotation. What is true that many strippers dance on poles, it is important to recognize that not all pole dancers are strippers. I use the pole as a workout regimen, just as others may use dumbbells or a treadmill. As hurt as I was for being slut-shamed for working out, I pushed through a sticks and stones attitude and posted my first pole picture on Instagram. With comments ranging from slay to you go girl, I gradually became more proud of my progress and began posting more. Pole dancing not only burns calories, but also builds self-confidence. I don't dance to look sexy for other people, but rather feel sexy for myself. The self-confidence extends beyond class. It helps me in my social situations, in class, in my sorority, and in leadership positions around campus. In response to the slut-shaming, there is no normal way to work out. Everyone is different. Weightlifting or running might work for some people, while dancing or sports might work for others. Furthermore, no part of my routine requires me to take off my clothes or have sex with somebody. Pole may make me feel sexier, but has not made me any more sexual. Pole makes me feel sexier because I'm healthier. Pole makes me feel sexier because I'm becoming a better version of myself, not for anyone else, but for me. So despite the connotation that society plays on pole dancing, I will continue doing it for me. So this girl's a fucking idiot. <laughs> this is when I have problem with people pole dancing, is that you want to take something that's like part of our strip culture market it for working out and then as soon as anyone says like it's too sexy or anything or you get slut shamed all of a sudden you want to put down strippers and distance yourself from them and be like well yeah i'm pole dancing but like i'm not a fucking stripper i don't fuck people first off stripper and prostitute are two different things so you sound like an idiot right there bunching them in together the way i see it if you're going to take something that's from a stripper then you should only have the right to do that if you're also going to use it as a way to 
bring awareness to stripping, to empower other women and strippers. I think it's disgusting that you would take strippers routines and then join in the group of slut shaming strippers like this woman's doing. Um, so yeah, so I don't have a problem with people dancing and learning lap dances and stripping. I think women like this who want to profit and benefit in some way from our strip culture, but then slut shame us in the same breath, um, is disgusting. You're part of the fucking problem. And you're part of the reason why strippers get shit on all the time. You're a problem with why sex work has become so dangerous and there's such a stigma. It's women like this adding to it. And just like a side note too, I honestly think like you, part of me believes you shouldn't be able to teach a strip class, a lap dance class, unless you have some experience in sex work, because that is our area of expertise. So I kind of think like first and foremost, we should be the ones teaching and we should be the ones profiting from it. But that's just my own, my own opinion. Feel free to write in and argue your own case if it either agrees or disagrees with me, but that's how I feel about that one. Next, I had someone writing in and saying, okay, so I listened to the first two episodes. Good job. Snaps for Danny. <laughs> you are now my second favorite podcast. Unfortunately, it's tough to compete with a podcast hosted by my future ex-wife who currently is unaware I exist. Okay, fair. You have a crush on another one. That's fine. Anywho, I did like that you used the terms emotional labor and energy vampires. The girls in the other cast use that same terminology, so they must be industry terms. Although they refer to non-sex workers as muggles. One thing that blew my mind is that main stage girls are making the same rate as they were 15 years ago. $30 to $40 a dance is what they were paid in the early 2000s. I guess strip clubs don't account for cost of living increase, but that's crazy. Completely agree. It's insane to me that in the last like 15 to 20 years, our rates have not increased at all. It doesn't go with the um, influx of the cost of living here. But... Yeah, I think it's an important thing to note, too. Exactly, I agree. And the comment about emotional labor and energy vampires, yes, they are quite common phrases to describe our work. And then that last comment there, they refer to non-sex workers as muggles. I tend to refer to them as either commoners, civilians, or squares. That's usually my kind of little terms I use for non-sex workers, which I know doesn't always land nicely for some people. (laughs) So then... Thought I'd also share with you today some lovely seeking arrangement messages I got because I know we had talked before with Bianca about seeking arrangements and I told her I found it so fucking tedious. The guys were so goofy on it for the most part. But after our talk, I decided to jump back on. I thought I'd try again. So I just wanted you guys to get a taste for the kind of men that we have to deal with on seeking arrangements. So it goes like this. Hi, dear. How are you? I'd love to discuss an arrangement with you. I'm looking for an ongoing, exclusive, and exciting arrangement for, let's say, seven dollars to $10,000 USD to start. If you want to start your own startup business, let me know. In short, eventually one day, I'm looking for a possible future equity partner for my clothing line who I can have a genuine friendship with and respectful arrangement. Fun for both of us. Can you travel? So... Okay. <laughs> so I said, that sounds lovely. It's definitely something I'd be interested in. How much time would you want to meet that month? Or how many times? He said, if you like, maybe twice. Okay, that's perfect. So me, my calculations, that's, you know, approximately $3,500 to $5,000 per meet. Awesome. And then I said, perfect. With regards to the allowance of 7 to 10K, I'm assuming you're giving half the first meet and the rest on the second. He said, no, the full on the first. Perfect. Still, way too good to be true. 
I said, okay, well then when would you like to start? He goes, how about we take a trip to Bali? I say, are you going to book a flight for me and my friend? Since we've never met, I know nothing about you. His response, well, what's your WhatsApp? And is she cute? Why not, right? Hmm. I'm not going to give you my WhatsApp. So I say, for sure. I only have cute friends. A trip to Bali would be absolutely amazing, but for safety reasons, let's meet first for a coffee or a lunch. A girl can never be too careful on these days online. I'm sure you understand that. His response, you come off as a fucking control freak. Thank you. Not your ordinary one. <laughs> Thank you. I, I guess I'm a fucking control freak because I'm not going to jump on a plane to go to Bali to meet some random man on the internet who's promising 10K. Yeah, I'm a fucking control freak. Blocked. Reported. Okay, next one. I'm only doing two today because I don't have all the time to do all of them. So this one goes, hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks, and yourself? Let's figure out what you need from a dom, he says. What I need from a dom is someone that understands boundaries and is going to completely take care of my needs. He goes, what do you do for work currently? I'm 38, by the way. The date of birth is wrong, and now I can't change it. Do you need funds or no? Oh, because I didn't respond within an hour. So his response, because I didn't respond, was, do you need funds or no? I go, I do, I just don't always get on here or have the time to. I don't have kick, which is what he asked, and I do like to keep my personal life out of things until I meet someone and build trust with them. For someone who is seeking discretion and companionship, I'm sure you understand that. His response, yes, but I need to know more about you. If you're a professional, then I'm not interested. What do you do for work? Blocked, deleted, reported. So what I'm getting is you want a cheap prostitute. Because you don't want to find a, in quotes, professional. You want, like, a girl going to school who's going to fuck you for 200 bucks. And because I got right to the point of, hey, I want to meet you first. I'm not going to tell you all about my life story. To have a mystery man with no photos, you got the vibe that I was too smart, i.e. professional. Okay, cool. Yeah, blocked, deleted, reported, loser. So that's the rape man on seeking arrangements. <laughs> I also had a message in my inbox today, which really spurred this episode. And she touched on a great question, which made me think, you know, it's completely worth recording an entire episode on because I ask like this all the time. She messaged me. Hi, Danny. I actually started following you and listened to your podcast because I'm interested in getting into the industry myself, but I have no clue where to start. I think stripping or erotic dance is such an art, and I honestly am in awe of the women who do it. I'm a bit afraid of reaching out to the wrong establishment, however, example, places that encourage more than a dance. I have absolutely nothing against the women who do that. I'm just not what I'm looking forward to do for myself for my own reasons. Is there any advice you can give to a very open-minded girl wanting to get the fuck out of her hometown and work for my body for money and self-confidence? Perfect, because... It's a great opportunity for me to do an episode, like I said, on baby strippers or women coming into the strip industry. So I'm going to give you as much information as I can in one episode. It Honestly, I'm going to try to get seven years of experience in this 30 minutes that we have. But it's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot to learn and a lot of it is trial and error, but I will try to give you the best kind of heads up, the best starting plan as you're entering the industry. So first, which clubs are you going to apply for? 
So do your research. Find out if our clubs are even hiring, where they're located, where you want to live, if you want to travel to work, and then find out if you yourself want to do stage versus VIP freelancing. Most new dancers don't really want to jump on stage first. They want to get a feel for the club. So you'll have to find out which clubs allow just freelancing. Some clubs, I know like JJ's and certain ones only, and I know uh, Fort St. John is the same. You have to do stage when you're there. So make sure you look into that and do your research. Find out what the level of contact is at each club. If you're not comfortable with two-way contact or one-way contact and you want a no-contact lap dance, there are certain clubs that do that. You'll just have to research that and ask around. And also look at the clubs, the hours they're open and the days they're open and if it works with your schedule. For example, my club is open during the daytime as well, so that's wonderful for me because I don't have a day job. I can go in and work a day shift and have a night off if I feel like it. So... Just do your research on the clubs themselves before you even really start and figure out what kind of club works for you and what you're looking for. With regards to the hiring process, there's really no like steadfast way of being hired. You'll pretty much just have to call the club you're interested in and ask if they're taking on freelance or stage girls, whatever you're wanting. You'll also need to know if we'll need a license. So especially plays in Alberta, I know, require licensing. So you will need to get a license for those places, and that takes some time. Prepare for that, so you might not be working right away if your club requires license. So usually you'll call, they'll say they're, you know, accepting freelancers. They'll maybe ask you to send them a picture, not a nude. If they send you a nude, that's weird. They shouldn't be asking you for nudes. They'll usually send you, ask you for a photo in, like, your work outfit, with lingerie, heels, whatever. Or they'll ask you to come to the club. So come whenever, and it's usually on a slow, slow time. So on their opening at Monday or something. And you'll go in and I suggest you look presentable, you know, have your hair and makeup done, wear an outfit you'd wear for like a nice dinner, like heels, a nice pair of jeans, a nice shirt, that kind of style. Look, look good. And I would also recommend maybe even bringing your stuff that you could work that night because it shows that you're like eager to work. Not necessarily a make it or break it thing. That would just be my recommendation. And ask the questions to the hiring manager when you're there, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions and it's better you learn from them than ask other girls who might steer you wrong or might not even know the answers themselves. So take that time to learn about the club, learn about the management team, learn about, you know, the vibe the club gives off. And that's kind of what the hiring process is, to be honest. And then they usually tell you right then and there if they're hiring or not, or if they want you or not, and you're either good to go or you try a new club. Once you do get hired on your first shift, the kind of the essentials to pack are your lingerie and maybe two outfits or three just in case, your heels, some perfume, gum, your pussy spray, and a small clutch. So your pussy spray, I use Summer's Eve. You can get it from like London Drugs, whatever, it's different, it's different scents. And it's like a spray on deodorant. And I just spray it on my pussy, smells great. I've heard it tastes good. So yeah, so I just do that myself. Not all girls do. That's just me. I know some girls will use deodorant as an aftershave for their vagina. So maybe you could bring a deodorant stick with you. The white invisible kind from like Secret is good. And you just rub that over top of your um, your vagina where you shave. You're like Brazilian area. And then the small clutch. It's big enough to ideally hold your phone, but not necessarily. I have my my money in there that I make, my 
under eye stick, mascara, and gum. And I just tote that around with me during the night so I don't have to go, keep going up to the change room to grab things. And ideally, to a roller stick of perfume. So you can just do a little touch-up throughout the night. For outfit-wise, I would recommend a lower heel if you're just starting. So you're getting comfortable in the stripper heel still. Pleaser is kind of like the, the brand for stripper heels. They're not crazy expensive. They're anywhere from like the average thing's like 40 to 60. You can get definitely more expensive ones. And I would recommend investing in just like a classic black strapped pair or a clear strap pair because it's just going to go with all your outfits. And then once you get more in the industry, you can buy tons of different ones and have fun and experiment. I have a million different shoes, literally that I never wear. And I always just go back to my black, um, matte ones that I love, but, and then you can get boots and all that too. So get just your basic clear or black heel. And I'd recommend a lower heel. Then you graduate to your seven or nine inch heels. Those are the ones that usually most girls wear. For lingerie wise, I would recommend something that's easy to remove. So don't do a lot of clasps or buttons or zippers or anything like that. That's going to be hard to take off and take on because time is money and you want to be able to not be stuck in the, in the change room getting ready or stuck in the back room, putting your clothes back on. Plus it looks awkward if you don't know how to take off a shirt. So my recommendation is anything you can either pull on or off or just an easy slip out of. I'd also recommend for new dancers, maybe two piece outfits because it gives you more time to slow down and take each piece off. So that'd be my recommendation for newer dancers. Two pieces are a pretty safe bet. And then for your change room etiquette, new dancers, and I cannot stress this enough, need to know their place. As much as I love the change room, I love the girls I work with, my club is unique in the way that I think the girls are extremely welcoming and lovely. Most change rooms, most drip clubs are not like that. Most women are not friendly to newcomers. Even I'm not that friendly to a newcomer. One, because I don't know you. I don't know if you're going to fuck my money up in the sense where you might sell a dance cheaper. You might do shit we're not allowed in the change room. You might step on toes, all that. And, um, so usually veteran dancers will keep their distance from a new dancer. So just respect that and, and assume that's probably going to happen for you. So when you go in the change room, don't expect a locker. It's an honor to have a locker. Usually house girls, girls that have been there for a while, get lockers. Don't hog the mirror or the vanity or, or the, um, desk area, you know, I would recommend going in early and being fully ready so you're not in the change room and all the girls get in there because it is annoying when a new girl kind of like takes up a place in the change room. You haven't really earned it yet, as harsh as that sounds. So just kind of keep in mind to kind of keep to yourself in the change room. You know, you can you can smile at girls, but don't interject into conversations that are happening. Don't eavesdrop. Um, usually kind of like the rule of thumb. I always thought, I know it's changing now as more girls are coming to the industry, but don't you don't need to introduce yourself we feel to introduce you or acknowledge you um kind of wait for that olive branch to happen that would be my recommendation like be approachable be smiling maybe do a wave but don't be like hey i'm danica like can we be friends (laughs) like just you know um earn earn their earn their friendship earn their trust show up do your work be friendly but you know respect 
that you are new and this is their place of work and, and you're coming in as a newcomer and just understand that dynamic. Also, abide by price rules. This is so, so important. If the rule is $50 for a dance, you charge $50 a dance. You do not try to skim and and in a way try to sell more. You don't overcharge. Just do as you're told. It will fuck up other girls' income doing things like that, and you will make enemies very quickly. Also, don't do things that aren't allowed in the change room. If it's a no-contact club, don't try to have contact. Uh, don't push those boundaries you will piss off the management and you'll piss off other dancers and it's a horrible way to start a club. Like I said, be humble, respect your veteran dancers. If you're smart and if you play it well, one of them might be able to take you under their wing and help you out, which is huge. It's a huge help. And honestly, stay out of the drama. If there's drama at the club, if you hear girls talking, don't involve yourself. If someone wants to come to you and bitch to you about someone, I honestly usually just stand there. I don't really acknowledge them talking. I don't, like, nod along. I don't agree. Unless I don't like the girl. I'm like, hey, you know what? She's done this to me. I, I hear where you're coming from. But for the most part, I, I keep to myself in that sense. I will have, like, positive conversations and whatever. But I don't engage with the drama ever. And once you kind of earned your place at the club, you can get to a place where you say to people, hey, you know what? Like, I don't have a problem with her. That sucks you do. I hope you guys can resolve it. Or, hey, do you want me to help you in this situation? What can I do about this situation? Kind of like the idea of being like, you know, why are you coming to me with this drama unless unless it has to do with me or, or I can assist you. And I think that just kind of goes everywhere in your life. Life gets a lot better when you don't entertain drama and gossip. Uh, yeah, so pretty much just be a decent person at the club. It's really the, and, you know, kind of going a little bit with your head down and, and earn your earn your spot. Next in the dances, once you sell a dance, uh, always get the money first, especially as a new dancer, because people will try to test you. So get your money first. And and that doesn't have to be an awkward thing. Most guys going to a strip club already know that that's the rule. So get your money first. You can even blame like, you know, management if you need it to look like good cop, bad cop. You can be like, oh yeah, like they make me get my money first. I don't, it's so awkward. Like, sorry, but I have to, I'm new here. I have to buy by the rules or whatever you need to say to make it less awkward on you. Get your money first and start at the beginning of the song. That's usually a pretty, like, across-the-board rule for most, most clubs. If you are selling by songs, that you wait for the next song to start, and then you start on that beginning of the next song. Especially as a new dancer, you might be nervous. You might not know the music playing. So going half-song, half-song, it might throw you off. So start at the beginning of the song and uh, stick to a routine. You know, I've been in this for seven years and I still have a very similar style of dance, style of routine that I pull out of my pocket every once in a while when I'm bored or when I don't feel like being creative. So especially as a new dancer, going in, you might get really nervous and you might totally just blank and stand there and be like, what the fuck am I doing? So before you even get to the club, have a routine in mind. You know, I'm going to do this move, count to 10, and then I'm going to do this move, count to 10, and then I'm going to do this move. And I'm going to, you know, say these things. These are my catchphrases. You know, and practice them. You know, if you have a friend that you trust or a boyfriend, be like, hey, can I, can I give you a lap dance? Can you tell me if this looks good? Can you tell me if I should change this? Practice ahead of time, you know. Take it seriously. Do Give good lap dances within still respecting the rules of the lap dance. And don't get discouraged when you get on the floor if you're not making insane money. Your first couple shifts, you're getting the hang of it, and that's totally fine. Uh... Everyone here is no. No matter how experienced you are, 
I still hear no sometimes. That's just part of the job and you will develop thick skin quickly. And also too, like some people say no because they don't have the money. Some people say no because they want a blonde and you're a brunette. Some people want big tits and you have smaller tits or they want small tits and you have big tits. You know, there's a million reasons why someone might say no. So it rarely ever has to do with you and your personality, to be honest. It, it's just not. It's whatever their reason is. And it, once you kind of distance yourself from that and say, you know, it's a no, oh well, next one will be a yes. Just having thick skin and not getting discouraged is huge, especially at the beginning. And then also to keep in mind that last hour of the night is usually when you can like almost double your money. So I know new girls or just girls in general, they get tired by the end of the night or they'll get discouraged if they're having a bad night and they're like, fuck it, I'm going home. I would really encourage you to stick it right to the end because you never know who you might run into that last hour. You might just, yeah, make insane money and it was totally worth it staying. On that same train of thought, learn your own hustle. So what works for one girl might not work for you. What outfit works for one girl might not work for you. What like sayings or catchphrases what work might not work for you. Uh, for me, I always wear black. I've always worn black. It's kind of always my go-to. On the occasional night, if it's a really busy night, I'll venture into other colors to stand out more, but black is kind of my go-to. Works for me. I always wear stockings pretty much because right now I have uh, some color, like discoloration on my lower legs from a laser hair removal treatment that went really badly. So I wear stockings to have recovered that, but I've always liked the stocking look and that works for me. That works for the clientele I bring in. I don't approach tables very often. That's um, just my hustle. I more stand there and I wait for men to come up to me. I find that makes me really good money because my sales are already pretty much done. They're already interested. They already want to dance with me. It's probably easy to sell longer dances and more dances to them because they've already invested into getting up and coming to you. But I know some girls who make great money going to every fucking table and asking for dances and moving on to the next table and that's their hustle and it works. So just find kind of what works for you. Try different things, try different phrases, uh, try different outfits. Just really this first start of your dancing career, use it as a trial and error situation and you'll figure out what works for you. You just do. And I would also recommend finding out what shifts work for you. Like for me, Monday, Thursday days, early afternoon were like my money shift. And some girls, you know, Friday, Saturday night are their, their money shifts. My clientele came in more for like Monday afternoons. That was kind of my hustle worked more for that clientele. So if you have a club that is open day and night, try some day shifts, try some night shifts, see which one you like more. Try different days of the week. Try Tuesday if you want. Try a uh, bump in Thursday night, you know, see what works for you. And stick to that. Try them all out. Find one. Stick to it. And that will change maybe throughout your career too. Maybe Mondays were your banking night and all of a sudden you start making shit money and you move to Thursday and all of a sudden that's working for you. You know, It's really like a learning experience pretty much the whole time you're in the industry, which is an awesome thing that you got to continually learn yourself and improve or alter your hustle. What else? People will test you when you're new the other dancers, the management, and especially the clients. So again, stick to the rules. No one can really get mad at you if you do what the management has told you to do. You know, at least you can fall back on that. And also you have to decide if you're going to tell people you're new or not. There are pros and cons to telling someone you're new. I know a lot of girls who dance as long as I have, and they still tell people they're new at dancing because 
men like this idea of a new, fresh meat, untouched, virginal stripper. But the thing that comes with selling someone you're new is they're going to be more likely to push your boundaries. So I would almost recommend when you're new to pretend that you're not new because you might not know how yet to maneuver different situations that someone's going to throw at a new person or try to get away with. So my kind of rule of thumb is if you're new, act like you're, you know what you're doing. Don't admit you're new. If you've been doing it for a long time, you can act like you're new because you know how to manipulate the situation and, and not get fucking played, which people will try to do. That would be kind of my rule of thumb for that. But again, whatever, find your hustle, what works for you. Also, in that same train of thought as, you know, having a story, are you new or are you not new, decide where you're going to tell your friends and family. Are you going to be honest with people that you're becoming a stripper or a sex worker? Are you going to be honest with some but hide it from others? How are you going to hide it? What's your back backstory going to be? You should also probably tell people in the sex work industry that you are close to once you get close to people. You know, let them know. You know, my boyfriend doesn't know I dance or my parents don't know I dance. Just in case they ever come in contact with them and they accidentally say something. Most people, good, good people are not going to want to rat you out. They're not going to want to, you know, let people in on your secret of being a sex worker. So it's important that people know you're not out or you are you are out as a sex worker. I have friends of mine who have been doing it for a long time and their family doesn't know and I make sure if I'm ever around their family or we're talking on speaker or something like that, I don't mention sex work. And I know the girls that are open and honest with it and I can tag them in memes on, on Instagram or whatever. So express that to people. Let people know where you're at. And it's okay if you don't want to come out as a sex worker at the beginning of your career or ever, just kind of know what your plan is with that and how you're going to handle it. Also decide on your boundaries. You know, in the message you had mentioned, the kind of level of contact you'd be comfortable with. Decide that before you get in the industry and then also decide how you're going to ensure those boundaries are respected and what you're going to do if something happens that are not respected. Is there someone you can talk to? Do you have an escape plan if you know, a guy touches you or you don't want to be touched or says something you're not comfortable with. That is something good to have before you get in the industry, knowing kind of what you are okay with and knowing what you're not okay with and being true to that. And also it's okay if those things, they shift from day to day. It's okay if they shift throughout your career. That happens too. And just adapt accordingly as you feel more comfortable or less comfortable with things. And two, like that's the same as everything else. It is a trial by error kind of situation. Maybe you think you're not comfortable with contact and then you go to a one-way contact dance and you dance on the guy's lap and you're like, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable with this. Actually, it's not as bad or vice versa, right? So just be open and knowing your boundaries and then how you're going to respect them. Also with the same idea of respect, you have to have, I know it sounds super cliche, but you have to have self-respect as well. And you have to have a work-life balance. I know when you first get in the industry, making good money is so alluring. You want to work all the fucking time. You have this new cash coming in. You get addicted to it. You get addicted to the whole kind of lifestyle. You can burn out. So you need to respect that because burnout, you're going to make no money at the end, right? So better to make good money here and there and do self-care than to make a bunch of fucking money, burn out, and not want to work anymore at all or you can't work because you're sick or you're tired or you just burn yourself out. 
So keep in mind that working in sex work, like I said before, is emotional labor. So maybe your body is totally fine. Maybe you can work, you know, 30 days a fucking month like I used to when I first started. Your body's good with it. Your heels aren't killing you yet. Your knees don't hurt. Your back's still good. (laughs) The good days. But uh, emotionally, maybe you're getting emotionally drained. Register that. You know, sit down and say, you know what? I'm feeling emotionally drained from talking to different people, from putting on this act, from engaging in people's conversations and being a therapist and take days off when necessary. And that's totally fine. And it's, it's mandatory that you do. It's, it's crucial that you take the time to respect your own mental and physical health on the same idea. You're going to have bad shifts. We all do. It doesn't matter how long you're in the industry. And sometimes you might have a bunch of bad shifts in a row. Sometimes you might have a bunch of amazing fucking shifts in a row and you're on a fucking high. But when those bad shifts come, prepare for how you're going to be able to bounce back. So for me, one of the things I do, either with my partner or alone, is if I have a really bad shift, I come home and I have a coffee scrub. And I get in the shower and I use a coffee scrub over my entire body. And for me, it's kind of symbolically scrubbing off the bad energy, the bad night. And I just really like immerse myself in that process. And then I get out of the tub and whether it's just sheer, you know, brain power or whatever, I feel better. And for me, that's kind of my coping mechanism for a bad shift. Or I call my girlfriends and bitch about it. Or I read a good book. Or, you know, I have a bunch of different things in place that make sure I'm maintaining my mental health. So I really encourage you as you're starting your career to find the things that bring you back when you're having a bad shift or you have a bad conversation either with a client or another worker or something just not sitting right. How are you going to take care of that? Um, and how are you going to self-care? I would also, on the same idea of taking showers, recommend buying antibacterial soap. I use a tea tree oil that I bought from a uh, body shop and I would recommend showering every night after your shift because, you know, you're sitting down different things in your bare skin, you're sitting on laps, potentially, you know, you're shaking hands, you're, you know, hugging people, all that. So you got bacteria all over your plane with money. You got bacteria all over your body. I recommend coming home to always take off your makeup <laughs> and take a nice shower with some antibacterial soap and taking the time and make it a routine. Make that every time. And that can be part of your self-care too, right? You get home, you put on the water for your tea, you have a nice shower, antibacterial soap, get out, drink your tea, read a book, go to bed. That for me, that's a perfect post-work night. Also, keep learning. So, you know, this is just a very quick crash course in being a baby stripper. There's so much to know about the sex industry, and I would highly, highly recommend you take some classes at a, wherever locally you can take classes. I know out here in Vancouver, we have Tantra Fitness. It's a great way to, you know, come up with that with, with that routine I had mentioned. You know, learn some little basics that are going to make you comfortable giving a lap dance, comfortable on a pole, comfortable walking in heels even. And practice at home in your heels, practice on your friends giving lap dances, practice walking around your house in your heels, practice your phrases you're going to use, uh, read books like I've mentioned a million times, and I'm going to mention again, especially for baby strippers. The book Thriving in Sex Work by Lola Davina 
is amazing. Highly, highly, highly recommend you give it a read. It's on Audible as well if you find yourself that you like to listen rather than read books. It is a great little crash course as well. Kind of goes over finances, goes over, you know, snagging clients and verbiage and mental health and relationships. Highly recommend that book. I, it's a great investment for you. Also, follow different Instagram accounts. You know, some of the ones I would highly recommend is at middle age stripper. So M I D D L E A G E S T R I P P E R. Also recommend the dancers resource. So T H E D A N C E R S R E S O U R C E. The dancers resource. My third and I fucking love her is Jacqueline Francis. Another great book to read is hers. It's called The Beaver Show. And her Instagram is at Jack the Stripper. So at J-A-C-Q-T-H-E-S-T-R-I-P-P-E-R. She's fucking hilarious. She's a Canadian stripper. Highly recommend you throw those three Instagrams a follow. They have great information and just yeah, keep doing your research, keep informed, follow other strippers, you know, creepily stalk things online, read as much as you can. Two more things I want to touch on. One is relationships. Relationships will likely change once you get in the sex industry. If you're dating someone right now, they might get a little insecure. They might feel a certain way about you dancing. Ideally in a perfect world, they're extremely supportive, but that might not always be the case. So be aware of that, that it might change your relationship dynamic if you're already in one. I personally recommend being honest with your partner because it just sets you up for more success in the future. But again, like I said, it's completely up to you if you are telling people you're in sex work or you're not. So I will leave that with you. When you're single in sex work and you're going to start dating, people do act differently when they go on a date with a stripper. They want to break to their friends but then they might slut shame you after. So that's a whole thing to kind of navigate once you're a dancer is dating as a dancer. And I recommend talking to people about that, learning how it works for them. I have an episode out. My episode four was about me and my boyfriend. So you're welcome to listen to that. Sorry, my voice is getting a little extra gravelly. I've been talking so much lately that my voice is just, it's, it's getting to its end. So we'll wrap this up pretty soon here. So yeah, relationships change when you're a dancer. Be aware of that. Research on it. There's books on that. There's girls talk about it. I talk about it on my podcast all the time. Lastly, your money. The best part about being a dancer. <laughs> Track your money and save it. I can't stress that enough. What I do, even all these years later, is I have a journal that I call my money journal. And I write down every shift I work. I write down what day it was of the week. So if it's a Monday... I write down you know, some Monday, September, whatever, and I write down how much I made and how many hours I worked. And I do that every day I work, every month, all year long. That is another way, too, that you will find what days work for you, what months you can bank on making better money. Obviously, you know, September, October, November, December are the best money months. Ideally, December is bank. We're start January, February, March. Summer's hit and miss. But, you know, track your money, track what days you work, see how it goes for you. And also set goals of how much you want to make a month and then how much you want to save a month. 
and stick to that. I personally, I have envelopes in my safe and I write down, you know, this is savings for this. These are these bills for these months. And I put them all in envelopes. And for me, that's just, it's easier to save when I visually see my money secured in an envelope for certain bills or certain savings. I'd also recommend investing in a safe because you will be dealing with a lot of cash money and you want it protected from people or from a fire or anything. If you're not putting it all in your bank, get a safe. I think that is kind of it on my crash course. I'm sure once I end this, I'll think of a million other things that are little tips and tricks. I might do another episode on this if I come up with enough things to share with you, but that's it for now. I hope all you little baby strippers or people just interested in how people become stripping enjoyed that. I hope you take something from it and I wish you all of the success in your dancing career. As always, you're always welcome to reach out to me with any more questions, any concerns, any comments, anything you wish I touched on I didn't, anything you want an explanation from. I'm pretty good at replying. I try to be. I'm on my phone probably way more than I should, (laughs) so I usually don't miss a message. But I hope it helped you. I hope your dancing career is everything you want to be. I hope you make great money. I hope you meet wonderful clients. One last thing, find your dancer tribe. Find your sex workers that you connect with. It is so crucial in our industry to have people in the industry that you can connect with, that you can debrief with. That's part of, for me, my self-care is having my group of girlfriends who do the same work I do, and we can bitch to each other. We can lift each other up if needed. We can congratulate each other on a good night. Uh, That's just at the core of my self-help and my mental health is these amazing women that I've connected with. So I highly recommend... It might be hard at the beginning, like I said, people are hesitant about new dancers, new sex workers, but once you start to connect with women, cherish those relationships and look to them for guidance and and be willing to guide them if they need it and have a support network in the industry as well as outside the industry. It will keep you sane and it'll keep you thriving in sex work, (laughs) i.e. the book that I need you to purchase and you need to listen to. I'm going to plug that one more time. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of 50 Plus a Tip. As always, follow me at 50plusatip on Instagram or email me at 50plusatip at gmail.com. That's 50plusatip. Have a wonderful weekend and happy hoeing.